nurture the instructors you have but always look out for new ones because you know people come and go and you need a good base of instructors to make your group fitness timetable the best one around you're listening to the fitness industry podcast powered by australian fitness network For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au. Leading group fitness instructor and educator Kirsty Neald is unerringly passionate about teaching classes as well as mentoring and educating fitness professionals. Here she chats with the fitness industry podcast's Belle Fong about the early days of group exercise, getting to know each instructor as an individual, understanding demographics and timetabling, and the importance of consistency among instructors when it comes to format and technique. Hey, Kirsty Neald, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Belle. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your experience in the fitness industry and how you got involved in group fitness. Okay, so it was probably about 20 years ago now and I was studying at uni and I'd been waitressing for years and years and years and was over it. Like I just couldn't wait tables or pull beers anymore. <laughs> so I thought, I know, I'll become an instructor. And I'd been going to classes and was fairly hooked into group fitness, obviously, since I was in about year 12 at school. And so I'd been going for quite a long time and just thought, yeah, this will be a crazy thing to do. You know, I'll just jump on stage and that's how it works. Didn't really realise what was involved. And so at the time it was a TAFE course called fitness leaders course so I did that and then had to do the aerobics it was called aerobics back then elective so it probably took me a good year or two to find my feet with it and that's sort of how it started and it's just gone from there so I um, totally hooked basically it's a big part of my life yeah, but I'll never forget those first few years of being really shit at teaching. <laughs> and what kind of classes did you start off teaching? Yeah, so back then it was all freestyle. Body pump had kind of just come in, but it wasn't sort of in all gyms. It was a really freestyle industry. So you just basically, you know, you made your own routines up, had your own music and, and did it that way. And, yeah, I'll never forget those first few classes of, I remember I got asked to cover a step moves class, which went for 90 minutes and basically doing basic step for 90 minutes. <laughs> and the class started as, you know, 50 odd people. And by the end, there was, you know, about three people just like sitting it out just through pity. <laughs> So, you know, it was very humble beginnings for me. And look at you now. You're <laughs> presenting at Filex. How, how many how many years have you been presenting for? Uh, yeah, so I think I'm, this is seven maybe. I don't know. I, can't, I keep my lanyards at home on a hook and I should just go and count them because that will remind me how many. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, it's, I think this is my seventh, which I never take that for granted. Every year I feel honoured to be accepted to present again and it's still blows my mind that people actually want to 
see and hear what I've got to say, you know, and to do this podcast, you know, I sort of pinch myself and think, why does anyone want to hear from me? <laughs> because it's just what I do. I, I love it. I love group fitness. And yeah, if I can share the love with some others, then then it's all good. I think also with the way that Les Mills is going, I think a lot of freestyle is, you know, it's getting less and less. You see it less and less in gyms now. But I guess in your gym, what's the kind of balance with, I guess, pre-choreographed like Les Mills and freestyle? Yeah. So at my gym, we've got three Les Mills programs, Pump, Attack and Body Step. And the rest of the timetable is freestyle, um, various versions of it. And I think that's a good balance. I, I think that there's definitely a place for both of those things. But I, I do, I, I hope, and, and that's one of my missions is to try and keep freestyle going. It's certainly not how it used to be, which is fine. You know, there's not those crazy sort of choreographed routines that we used to spend hours working out so much. But, you know, even if you can get a little snippet of that into a class, it's all good. Mm. But, you know, people don't want to use their brain much when they're at the gym, I think, these days. So, yes, I think freestyles, it's got its place and it's changed and that's fine. But I I do think that Les Mills definitely has a place as well. Mm. I remember when... I first started teaching it was all freestyle and body pump came out and there was this thought of oh it's just gonna we're gonna lose our creativity and which I guess it kind of has happened in a way but you know is that a bad thing I don't know like it's just the way things don't stay the same forever and you just got to go with it yeah I think especially in fitness too I mean Mm. I think it's always evolving one year it might be you know group fitness is the latest craze the next thing it's body weight training or it's strength and conditioning or whatever it is and you know I guess you have to go with the times and obviously go with what your members want and what's good for the gym and that's absolutely Absolutely right because at the end of the day it's not about what we as instructors want to do and want to teach if there's no one there that wants to do it then there's no point (laughs) so you absolutely have to go with what the industry or what the people what the people are telling you they want and you know you can educate them and try and sort of bend in different directions with it but yeah it's about the people it's not about the instructor at the end of the day. So you've recently written a course for Network on how to create a reliable and skilled group fitness team. Do you think this is something that can be learned or do you think some people either have the knack or they don't? I don't think everybody. it is for everybody because you have to be a particular kind of, have particular personality traits to be able to do it and actually get some enjoyment out of it and to have success with it. You could, you could teach somebody how to do it and at the moment now I'm more in a mentoring role I don't manage my team directly now I'm mentoring somebody else to do it because I'm sort of moving into the next phase of my career so you know trying to give my skills to somebody else who is a different personality can be challenging and it just means their style of management will be a bit different to mine which doesn't mean it's wrong but I do think that there are certain traits that are are pretty important when it comes to leadership and managing of people in particular instructors because let's face it instructors can be you know sometimes hard work or you know not to sound like I'm you know putting them down at all because that's what makes a great instructor is someone who you know needs to be in the limelight a little bit and and you know trying to manage those sorts of people and lots of different personalities is is one of the skills so I, I think probably the main traits you need to have as a 
as a group fitness manager in particular, is to have patience and compassion for people. And But also I think it's really important that you are quite thick-skinned, you deal with conflict well and in a diplomatic way, that you're tactful but also can be assertive at the same time. You don't want to burn bridges in the fitness industry. So having that ability to to maybe pull people into line, but also keep them on side. Those sorts of things really important because it's a small industry, especially where I am in Adelaide, everybody knows everybody. So if you get a bad name as a manager, no one's going to want to teach for you and you won't be able to retain your instructors. So so it's a complicated thing, even though on the surface it might seem quite simple, okay, I'm just going to have to cover classes and work out a timetable, it's pretty easy. But it's those people skills, I think, is what makes a really good group fitness manager and that's something maybe you can't teach so much. And before you started the mentoring role, how many instructors were you managing when you were in that role? So um, probably at the top of at the peak was would have would have been 40 anywhere between 40 and 20 instructors. So, you know, you have people who teach one class a week and then you've got people who teach 15 a week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do, you know, at Christmas time I give them all a card and a present. And so, yeah, I remember one year having to buy. It might have been even more than 40. <laughs> so, yeah, and yeah, so, you, you know, just imagine 40 different personalities, needs, skill levels and availability you know whether you can actually see them at all that kind of thing is 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 tricky so yeah so that's that's one of your challenges so okay if you don't have any you know family kids another job (laughs) and you have all the time in the world to come and watch your instructors and assess them but let's face it everyone is busy and everyone has their own lives and you know I think it's all well and good to be able to see your instructors that teach from a 9 30 time slot through to say 5 p.m but if you have kids or you have evening commitments so maybe, maybe even you're teaching yourself, you know, it's not always realistic for you to just go, oh, I'm going to come and look at this yeah. this instructor and assess yeah. them because yeah. it's not always realistic for you. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really key point is that most instructors uh, do it as a second job, whether it be their other job is, is being a carer or, you know, having a nine-to-five office job, most people are not going to be teaching group fitness 100% of their time, and that's due to income reasons and physical demand. You know, there's a few lucky people who I think they're lucky because, you know, who wouldn't want to teach all day? It's fun. (laughs) But, yeah, and so that's, yeah, a challenge. You've you've got to manage people that you might not have um, available, you know, might not have a lot of contact with. So that's certainly a challenge, yeah. So if you were to look back on the last 10 years, what knowledge did you wish you had prior to becoming a group fitness manager? One thing is definitely conflict management because that's a big part of the job in dealing with complaints from members especially, dealing with that in a way that solves the problem, whatever it might be, while keeping the member on side and also possibly an instructor or whatever the complaint is about. So having the skills to be able to do that, it is a real challenge. And so one of the things with that, I think I would say, is that you deal with conflict right there and then don't let it fester because it has the potential to break down a team to create really bad energy within classes and at the gym so that's probably one of the skills that I had to learn because it's not 
I'm not, I don't do conflict. (laughs) You know, I like everybody to like people and in reality that's not the case. And there's, there are a lot of people out there who aren't happy unless they're unhappy, you know, and they love to complain and, you know, that's the way of the world. And so having the skills to be able to deal with that, that's, that's really, really difficult. And being assertive is something that I am not that good at. Like I'm not very good at saying no to anything or anyone. <laughs> you know, just ask my kids, they walk all over me. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, having the being assertive is something I've learnt and I'm getting better at it. But, yeah, that's something that is is really quite hard. And being able to do that and at the same time, like I said before, keeping people on side, not burning bridges is, is pretty, pretty tricky. But, yeah, I guess one of the things that I did have that is what has got me to where I am today is just that passion for group fitness and people and making people fit and giving them a reason to come to the gym. So that's something that I think I had but I I think is really important as a group fitness manager and a group fitness instructor or anyone in the fitness industry. Yeah, I think people forget how important... I guess, exercises for people mentally and people that come to the gym, you're not just there for yourself, you're there for them. And for some people, that's their therapy. And they come to the gym because they want to escape whatever it is that's happening in their life. And that's just their hour where they get to themselves. For example, if you're a mum, for example, and the kids are at school, you've done school drop off. And maybe that's the only hour you get to yourself in the daytime. And, you know, you're there to essentially help them get fit and and change their life. And, you know, I remember there was a woman that I worked for and this woman used to come and come to boot camp and she'd have the straightest face. She wouldn't talk to anybody and everyone thought she was a bit rude and no one really kind of knew what she was like. And then at the end of the boot camp, after eight weeks, you know, she went up to the instructor and gave her flowers and was crying and said, this changed my life. You know, my husband recently died and my father died of cancer and this was the only thing that kept me going. And you just don't know what's happening in people's lives, right? You you don't know what the reason why people are coming to your class. And I think that's important for instructors to know that you really are making an impact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it happens a lot, doesn't it? You know, and you don't even realise because we do it because we love it and it's something that we get enjoyment out of and we'd love to see other people get enjoyment from it. But you don't, sometimes you don't realise the impact you have on people's lives and that's that's what keeps you in the industry because it's just magic, like, you know, and or you, you, similar sort of situation. Like I, I remember having a, a lady come to classes regularly and then she stopped coming and then she comes back and and you find out that she's been going through something herself and that, you know, the gym was what kept her going and the classes and that social interaction, mm-hmm. so important. Yeah. yeah. So what advice would you give if, say, you there was an up-and-coming, up-and-coming group fitness instructor listening to this podcast and maybe they want to have aspirations to be a leader or manage a team? What kind of advice would you give to them? For managers and instructors as well, I would definitely, first thing I would say is you don't do it for the money. You're going to get, you will get paid obviously, but it's not, you've got to do it for another reason because the money isn't going to be great. And, you know, it's it's tough to live off an, just an instructor's wage. So, and the other thing is you'll never get reimbursed for the hours you put in because you'll get paid to stand on the stage for 45 minutes or an hour but you won't get any reimbursement for the hours it took you to prepare for that hour. So, yeah, don't do it for the money. Um, yeah, it's great that we get paid, but, yeah, it's that's not going to be your number one driving reason to do it. It's got to be something else. 
yeah, you've got to know as an as a GFM, you've got to know your individual instructors. So get to know each instructor you manage individually because what makes one of them tick is not going to be the same for the next person and to get the most out of those people and the instructors you have it's going to be really important that you know that so that you can basically push them and nurture them so that they are the best instructor that they can be I do a lot of mentoring of instructors and I think one of the things that's made my group fitness management career successful is is doing mentoring because I get loyalty from people in doing that. So I support them, have patience with them to get the most out of them as an individual and an instructor, and they're always grateful for it. So that's probably one of the things I would, pieces of advice I would give to a manager is to nurture the instructors you have, but always look out for new ones because, you know, people come and go and you need a good base of instructors to make your group fitness timetable the best one around, you know, if you want to stand out from the crowd. So getting the right people and loyalty within your team is really, really important. And mentoring is a great way of doing that. And how do you find instructors? Like if you say, for example, you have three or four instructors that have decided they're either going to retire from teaching group fitness or they've gotten jobs that don't allow them to teach fitness. How do you go about sourcing instructors and knowing, I guess, how to screen for really good people? A few ways. A lot of it's word of mouth. So if you get a good name as a manager, people will actually come to you and want to teach at your gym. So I'd I'd get a fair bit of that. You know, I guess you could go to places that do training, TAFE or online courses and approach them. If you you need more people, you can advertise. One of the best instructors I've had has been a member in the class who just moved well, was there every week, you know, and you say, hey, how about it? Do you want to train up I'll I'll mentor you and you know someone like that who's obviously got a passion for the industry and loves it and is already has a kind of follows you and and loyal to you already they're really going to be a a good resource for you so always just keep a lookout in the crowd see who's coming and pick young people (laughs) so you know and well any age but you know if you've got some young ones that are coming through and you know that they're at uni so they've got the availability and and they'll be in for the long haul then you know that sort of thing so yeah yeah that's probably word of mouth and and actually picking people out of the crowd is mm-hmm. a really great way. What do you think has made group classes at Blackwood Fitness so successful? Understand your demographic. So there's absolutely no point in putting on a boot camp, high intensity, whatever, at 12 o'clock in the day because most of the people who can attend the gym at that time aren't going to want to do that sort of thing. So it's understanding who's in the gym at a particular time and creating a timetable that suits that demographic so even if it means you know being at the gym at different times of the day and just seeing who walks through the door you know if if you see a whole bunch of uni students walking through at four o'clock that's your market so you know you're going to find out what they want to do and put on a class for them so that's probably one of the things I think has been successful at my gym so you've got a really strong older adults program and that runs in the day so it fills up the gym during those sort of typically down not peak times it's actually a really big big time of the day for us 
And, you know, in the evenings, you're going to be putting on more of the high intensity classes. Beginning of the day, think of, you know, mums who have, or dads who have just dropped their kids off at school. So understanding a demographic is really important. So I think timetabling is probably one of the big things. Also, definitely instructors. If you've got instructors that people really want to see, they'll come back week after week and it helps build classes. So yeah, doing, making sure you've got the right instructors on. And I think that's one thing we've got at Blackwood Fitness is a really strong team of instructors. They're very, very reliable. So, you know, that they're there every week, which is really key that you don't have members rocking up going, well, I don't know who's going to be teaching me today. It could be so-and-so, it could be someone else because they're never, you know, consistently there. So that's probably one of the the other other things. We're a, a budget gym, so there's a fairly big membership base. So classes are usually pretty big, which means you've got that kind of vibe and that energy mm-hmm. in the gym, which is which is a real real seller as well. As a group fitness manager, how often would you recommend assessing your instructors? Obviously, do it fairly regularly. So I'd say twelve months, even if even six months, if you need to. And have it as a in your yearly calendar. So you do okay every January. I'm gonna do the do the lot. Do it to try and get around to all the instructors. There might be times where you need to do a, an assessment for to check on someone's whether they're teaching a class in in the way they should. You might have had complaints about them, so you you might assess spot assess. So you basically assess needs basis which is always a bit tricky, but I think that the key is to tell someone why you're doing the assessment. Say, look, you know, I just want to check it out because of, you know, just something's been picked up and nothing to worry about, but let's just have check out how, you, how you're teaching. So I'd probably say do a, an actual formal assessment where you actually give someone a formal critique at the end and things to work on probably once a year is, is pretty important just to make sure that you're getting consistency in the classes, which is really important to ensure your classes are safe, uh, your instructors are teaching the correct format, uh, that their techniques find that they're fit and looking, you know, like they're coping well with the class, those sorts of the key things that you're going to be looking for. But I also encourage GFMs to just try and attend people's classes. It's really hard because we're all teaching a lot and, you know, the last thing you want to do is go and do another class. <laughs> but even if you poke your head in just to check it out and then give them some informal feedback, I think it's a real compliment if you've got instructors in your class. Like I love it. If I look out and there's like three instructors in my class, I always try harder. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to make them know that you, you can, you know, how fit you are and stuff. So, yeah, try and get along and attend people's classes just in an informal way, you'll know a good instructor because they'll always ask you at the end, have you got any feedback? And I always think that's a nice, yeah, yeah you know someone's caring and that they want to be better if they actually think don't think they already are doing things perfectly because mm-hmm. no one's ever perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, if you can do that. I'd also encourage instructors to self-assess. So, man, any time I video myself, I always see something that I just go, wow, I never knew that I dropped my chest when I do a squat or, you know, like when I do a a hover, I arch my back too much. And always self-assessment is really useful. So encourage your team to to do that because they'll pick stuff up that, you know, or even things you say all the time, like, oh, my God, I say team all the time. It's so annoying. (laughs) And you don't even know you're doing it. So self-assessment is really good. 
and also encourage instructors to go to each other's classes. So come to your class, but also, yeah, hang out with each other in, in their class, other people's classes as well, because any time I go to someone else's class, I pick up a cue that I think, oh, that's a cool way of cueing something or, you know, I haven't thought of that little combination of moves. And it's a good way of just facilitating education amongst the team as well. Speaking of education, how do you ensure your staff are staying current with industry trends, particularly with classes like that are group fitness, freestyle group fitness, as opposed yeah. to Les Mills, which, you know, obviously there's kind of no no thinking required. There's the choreography comes out every three months and you know that all you have to do is, you know, learn the music, learn the moves and, and you don't have to make up anything yourself. Yeah, yeah. It is challenging and it is it is quite challenging in Adelaide in particular because, you know, it's probably better than it used to be, but for a while there, there was no one ever came to Adelaide. So there wasn't a lot of training going on. And so you had to either do, well, even, and back then online wasn't even really a thing. So you'd have to travel to pick up your points. And that was always a bit challenging. Or you'd have to just end up doing courses that you weren't even interested in just to pick up your points for registration. So it's definitely, it's better than it used to be. And the online access to online courses is, is really useful as well. So that aside, I mean, that's sort of a more formal that, you know, people have to attend, you know, a certain amount of training to, to stay current within the industry and, and register. But I do run a lot of in-house training as well, so which isn't necessarily attached to points, but it's a great way of brainstorming within the team or showing an instructor that you value their skills and their abilities and you want them to share them with the team. So running in-house workshops or if you pick up things that you think are a skill, a gap in the skills of the instructors you've got, then maybe run a one-hour workshop on, you know, it might be queuing queuing technique or connection with your participants, that sort of thing. So have a focus for, you know, it might be at staff meetings or just run a, a quick one-hour workshop just to, to try and fill those gaps within the skills of the team. So those sorts of things. I always encourage instructors to YouTube I think we're so lucky these days that, you know, if you can't get to training or you're just getting to the point where, oh, my God, if I teach this again, I'm going to kill myself, like, just over, you know, all the ideas in my head have have been used. So, yeah, jump on YouTube and, you know, share that with, with your team. So if you've just seen an awesome clip that's given you a whole load of ideas, share it with the team so, you know, it encourages them to do the same reading articles, staying up to date with the industry, knowing what everybody else is doing, that sort of thing. And again, sharing those sorts of things with your team so that you know that if they haven't taken it up, at least you've given them the motivation or the push to try and and upskill all the time. What are your thoughts on Les Mills pre-choreographed training versus freestyle group training? I love both. I teach both. I think they both have their place. I do find as an instructor, constantly learning is one of those things where I guess it's just part of life. (laughs) When you've been teaching for a long time, you know, you never get in the car without there being some some learning that you're doing and, you know, or, you know, you're making dinner for the kids and you don't talk to me. I'm (laughs) I'm just, you know, halfway through the squat track. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that kind of does my head in a little bit with with pre-choreographed. But, you know, I get a buzz out of teaching pre-choreographed classes 
and it does help influence other stuff that I do. It certainly is challenging. So I know it's, you know, it keeps up my fitness as well. And, you know, I think Les Mills is always up to date with, you know, whether you like that style of training or whatever, you know that they've put a lot of research into what they're putting out. So, you know, it, it's, I think it's, it's definitely got its merits as does freestyle so you know I love teaching my freestyle classes because I've got the creativity freedom so I can can you know make the class how I want it so I'm not quite so restricted so I think there'll be a point in my life where I just think I'm not learning anymore I'm done (laughs) I'm sick of having it in my head all the time and just focusing on freestyle but at the moment I like both and I think both have their place Mm -hmm. within the industry and I think really people look for it I think most gyms you know probably if, if you're going to have group fitness and you want it to be a big part of your gym culture, you've got to have a bit of pre-choreographed. It's just people have got to look for it and they'll ask I think for some it. people also find, I know me personally, I studied freestyle first and then I did Les Mills straight away and freestyle is so much harder because you have to create the, the choreography yourself yeah. from scratch and you know, you might want to do that for for a couple of weeks, but then you want to change it because you don't want to necessarily do the same thing yeah. over and over. And same with Les Mills, you can mix and match tracks and obviously within that the choreography will slightly change. But I think freestyle group group training is so much harder because you're having to use your creativity so much more. Yeah, than... yeah. It's funny that you say that because I kind of, I don't know, I think I see it the other way because I, I don't, struggle too much with the creativity side like I like if I go I like walking and if I'm walking that's my time to think about okay I'm going to do this and then I'll add on that and then I'll you know like that's sort of that's part of the challenge for me and I love that whereas you know Les Mills I just read it and teach it (laughs) so yeah everybody likes something different but yeah yeah I, I think both are very valid and yeah a bit of both is good a bit of variety what do you see as the growing trend in 2019 in the group fitness space? I think I'm seeing more and more of the boutique kind of approach to group fitness. So things like F45 and those Pilates, Studio Pilates, those sorts of things. You know, there's that nine round, those boxing sort of where you pay crazy amount of money <laughs> for the privilege of having someone you know, do the, got the class on a screen <laughs> and there's an, there's an instructor kind of checking that you're doing it well and encouraging you, but a lot of it's on the screen. So the instructor doesn't even really teach it. But yeah. I don't know. Like I think, I, I think fitness should be for everyone. And I don't know, I can't afford 55 bucks a, a week to, for the privilege of exercising. <laughs> But, you know, that's, I think maybe some people feel like if they're paying that much, they'll go more. Maybe, I don't know. But I think that that's a growing trend at the moment. You know, it used to be, it was 24-hour gyms for a while and everybody does that now. And and now it seems to be, yeah, that kind of the boutique style that has that sort of status attached to it. And I, I mean, I don't, whatever people are doing to move, I think go for it. And if it, that's what it takes for people to get out and exercise, then yeah, do it for sure. But to me, I kind of, I don't know, like why I wouldn't, I'd struggle with walking past a gym where I know I'm going to be paying, you know, nine bucks a week or whatever direct debit is for a normal gym as opposed to 55 or 50 or 40 or whatever it is. It's a lot of money. But 
anyway, I think that's probably one of the big things that I'm seeing at the moment. It's not brand new, I guess, to the industry, but it's certainly there's more of it now and more variety within that space. So, yeah, different focus. So, yeah, Pilates versus HIIT versus boxing. The other trend, I guess, that you can't ignore is Instagram and the that sort of social media platform, which is just massive. And I don't know, like it's worrying to me. I've got young kids and they do a lot of sitting on their phones and some of the stuff like I just is not achievable, but they think it's just normal or they, they want to aspire to have this particular body shape or train in a particular way. And Whatever people are doing to move, whether it's if it is looking at Instagram and, and that encouraging them to to start moving, then that's fantastic. But I I do worry about it a little bit because I don't know, like I guess the trend at the moment is is big butts and crop tops. <laughs> I don't know how you get butts like that. Well, I think also <laughs> there is this big trend of being an Instagram influencer, whether you have a qualification or not. Yes, so yeah. I think the scary thing is that there's a lot of teenagers or even people that don't want to be a member of a gym or can't afford it for whatever reason. So they go to Instagram and they get kind of inspiration or ideas and, oh, I want to look like them, so I'm going to do whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They're not even qualified. No. Or, you know, these Instagram influencers that are writing fitness ebooks with yeah, yeah. no research or yeah, yeah. scientific background yeah, yeah. or anything like that, yeah. which I think is scary. Yeah, yeah, and diet plans and, and all sorts of packages and, you know, and they're getting rich doing it. And kids are so easy to influence and it's not achievable like to to put a, put out these body kind of shapes and these image body images that just like I don't know like you know it's a lot of a lot of very focused on one particular way of looking and it's just not achievable and I don't know if it's particularly healthy and like you said it's not safe because people actually don't really know what they're talking about so I guess that's a that's a trend maybe not so much within gyms but it's out there and it's part of the industry and it's something that I don't know watch this space and just see where it goes because I don't know like i I, I do, I worry about my kids and what they're seeing and, and what it's doing to their minds. And, yeah, my uh, my daughter's um, nearly 11 and I won't let her look at Instagram yet because I just don't know how to deal with it. As a parent, I don't know how you, how you educate your kids to not believe in that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, on one hand it's great that it might be encouraging people to get off the couch and, mm-hmm. and move a bit, but it's putting out unachievable and uneducated and not researched ways of training and yeah so I don't know like I don't want to finish on a negative (laughs) but yeah I guess that's that's one one thing that's that's is a trend at the moment. Do you think there is a place for qualified fitness professionals to move to an online space and have either a platform on social media to educate people more or even for teens to even look into online training programs by people that are qualified? Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the next step is to try and get that out there to let people and kids and whoever, you know, are using social media to understand that that that's the way to go. But mm. yeah, and definitely there's I think more fitness professionals who are trained and who understand the industry and understand 
you know, how to move and why to move a particular way, gets on there and tries to, to maybe flush out the all the fakers out there. <laughs> yeah, so definitely I think, you know, yeah, if I had more hours in my day, I'd love to do more of that sort of thing and maybe that's my goal moving forwards is to try and get get online a bit more and, and, and educate people in that way. Cool. Thanks so much for your time today. If, if listeners want to find out more information about you or your group fitness management course, where should they go? So I've got a Facebook page, which is Kirsty Neild Group Fitness. So like me on Facebook, get onto the Australian Fitness Network course and do that, the GFM course that I've written. I've got articles through network as well on group fitness management. So there's a series of four articles which group fitness managers should have a look at. Thanks so much, Kirsty. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Belle. For a range of online courses focusing on group training and PT program design, including group fitness management courses by the brilliant Kirsty Neild and lesson plans that never fail by the masterful Greg Seller, head to the network website, select the Courses tab and click on Group Training. Courses are accredited for CECs and other continuing education points and network members save up to 20%. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.